Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, April 21st, 2023. I'm Mike Chopley. All right, here we are. We've reached Friday once again. TGIF. You have to say TGIF even if you're not religious, right? It's just a thing to say. Thank God it's Friday. There was also a movie. It was in a musical with Steve Gutenberg, right? Called Thank God It's Friday. So there was that also. Um, but um, Paul Jabara was that a Paul, was it Paul Jabara that movie? I think it was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, it's uh, you know it's Friday, so I'm in kind of a moving mood. You know, at the end of this show, as always, as we do every Friday night. I will have uh, film reviews of the films Mafia Mama with Tony Collette and Bo is Afraid with Joaquin Phoenix, who used to be known a long time ago as Rain Phoenix. He was Rain. Uh, his parents were like, you know, like the hippie kinds. You know, they had River Phoenix and Rain Phoenix and there was something else, Umbrella. I'm joking. But it used to be Rain, but now we, we know him as Joaquin Phoenix. I think that works a lot better. Um, so we'll talk about that stuff, but first we have a lot of, a lot of other stuff to talk about. On Monday, I want to announce this. I'll announce it at the end of the show also. On Monday, I'll have a special guest, someone you've heard on the show a couple of times before, um, Jackie Berlin of Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths. And she will talk about something we'll talk a little bit about tonight, but I want to save the thrust of the talking about this issue with her because she's so big on it. So Gavin Newsom, as you know, was in, uh, well, maybe you don't know, he came to California, came to San Francisco yesterday, and he was walking around, you know, with his security guards, the security guards that he's allowed to have, the security guards with guns that Gavin Newsom's allowed to have. We can't have guns to protect ourselves, but he's allowed to have people who protect him with guns because he's a special person also known as an elitist prick. So he comes here after his whirlwind U.S. tour of red states and uh, comes to look at the fentanyl issue. He finally realized there was a fentanyl issue. He said, oh, there's a fentanyl issue in San Francisco. Governor, when you're finished, you know, doing your uh, your, world, your worldwide, uh, worldwide red state suck tour, come back to California, come back to the state where we pay you good money to be governor, um, and take a look, go to San Francisco and take a look. So he goes to take a look at San Francisco, downtown San Francisco, and he sees all these fentanyl addicts and some guy walks up to him. You might've seen this clip and the guy walks up to him and says, hi, my name is so-so. What are you going to do about the fentanyl issue? And he says, what, uh, what do you want me to do? What, what should I do? Tell me what to do. That's why I'm here. I'm here because you're going to tell me what to do. So he didn't seem to have an answer. The guy is such a, He's such a political slime ball. He's such a slime ball politically. He's such a political entity. There's nothing but politics that like oozes from his pores that he uses these politician, politi politician lines. Like you tell me what to do. Well, it was a bullshit line because he knew what he was going to do before he got here. He didn't have no idea what he was going to do. And then he walked around downtown for an hour and said, Oh, now I know what I got to do. He was going to do what he's been pressured to do, which he has been pressured to do, which is to bring in the uh, Highway Patrol and the National Guard to help combat the uh, drug dealing, uh, specifically the fentanyl dealing here in San Francisco. So 
I guess what this is going to do is supposedly is that California State Police and the California National Guard will start a partnership with local law enforcement agencies to disrupt fentanyl trafficking in San Francisco. So in the wake of city officials asking for state and federal help cracking down on open air drug markets, we saw like uh, Mayor London Breed talking about how she needed help. She needed help. So they're going to give help. And he announced earlier today that uh, that uh, Attorney General Rob Bonta and Mayor London Breed, chief of staff, uh, as they walked around the city, he saw the conditions and they discussed the fentanyl crisis. So Newsom announced the agreement among the CHP, the California Highway Patrol, the California National Guard, the San Francisco Police Department, and the San Francisco District Attorney's Office to help the city. The governor directed the CHP to identify ways to assist police, including through the assignment of personnel and resources, technical assistance, training, and drug trafficking. Uh, drug trafficking enforcement with key areas, including the tenderloin. The governor also directed CalGuard to identify specialist personnel and resources to analyze drug trafficking operations with a focus on dismantling fentanyl trafficking rings. There were no details on whether the state police would be on the ground in the city, and if so, how many officers may be deployed and for how long. A statement from Newsom's office said the agreement would lead to the formation of a new collaborative operation among the four agencies to disrupt the drug supply and hold the operators of large-scale fentanyl trafficking operations accountable. Through this new collaborative partnership, we're providing more law enforcement resources and personnel to crack down on crime linked to the fentanyl crisis, holding the poison peddlers accountable and increasing law enforcement presence to improve public safety and public confidence in San Francisco, Newsom said. Newsom also hinted at the recent debate around San Francisco crime, noting the city has a violent crime rate lower than comparable cities, but also said must more be done to address public safety concerns, especially the fentanyl crisis. Breed said in a statement that she's grateful for the support. Our police department and district attorney have been partnering to tackle this issue and increase enforcement, but our local agencies can use more support, the mayor said. The announcement will probably spark polarized reactions in San Francisco, where debate rages over how to solve the city's drug crisis and whether cracking down on drug dealing is an effective way to confront it. This is all out of the Chronicle, by the way. Progressive protests that the city is repeating a failed war on drugs that won't fix its problems, while moderates, including many residents and business owners, have voted in officials who want more prosecutions of drug dealers amid calls for increased action. So, uh, well, let's see. Matt Dorsey, uh, uh, Supervisor Matt Dorsey, whose district includes a lot of the drug hotspots, said he's grateful. He says it feels like the Calvary's coming. Um, Critics include public defender Manu Raju point to research showing criminalization hasn't fixed the drug crisis and said resources should instead be pushed to treatment for people who use drugs and alternatives for drug dealers. No, that's wrong. Well, yeah, I have no problem with treatment for people who use drugs, but alternatives for drug dealers? No, drug dealers need to be put in jail. Obviously, drug dealers need to be put in jail. And, you know, you'll see the left bitching and moaning, look, I always doubt 
whenever Gavin Newsom does anything, I always doubt it's going to work. Okay. And they may have let this crisis get so big now that it might be very difficult to, to do anything that's going to help the situation. But, but, but on Monday, when I have Jackie Berlin on, she'll be on Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths. She will give her point of view because I am interested in the point of view of someone who's been on the ground and knows what's going on. And I want Jackie's point of view as to whether she thinks this is the right thing to do and whether at this point it's going to do any good. It's going to make a dent in the problem. Um, so here's something that you won't hear a lot of people talking about. Okay. And obviously I do disagree with the extreme left's point of view that, oh, no, 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 no. The drug dealers, just talk to them, talk to them, give them all, give them other things to do. Maybe they'll go play bocce ball instead. This kind of bullshit from the left, from these morons. Um, no, you have to jail drug dealers. You need to arrest them and put them behind bars. Okay. That's what you need to do. So they can't poison people on the streets. And for people who are addicted to drugs, yes, absolutely. You have to get them, you have to get them treatment, but you have to like, you know, make them go into treatment. That's another problem we have here. You know, just say, oh, here, here's a, here's a card, call us or here, here's the pamphlet. It's not really going to work. You need to get these people into treatment. And as Jackie will tell you on Monday, as she had said many times, her son, who's a drug addict, a fentanyl addict, she has begged police to arrest him. Because that's the only way he's ever gone into treatment is being arrested. He's never gone in, you know, it's more difficult to get people to go in by just saying, would you, would you please, you really need help. We really think you need help. So there are other aspects to this, and Jackie will talk about that. But what people don't want to talk about is the fact that COVID, COVID, I know you're saying, oh, Mike, everything goes back to COVID. Everything goes back to COVID. Yes, everything does go back to COVID. Everything goes back to the way the Democrats in this state and around this country handled the COVID crisis with their lockdowns, okay, with their mandates that destroyed the economy, that destroyed the uh, the souls of the people living in these cities, that destroyed children, that kept them out of school. Their depression went up. Their anxiety went up. We saw we saw drug overdoses go up. We saw drug poisoning go up. We saw suicides go up. All of this stuff. So this this explosion of the drug addiction issue in our major cities and the fentanyl crisis. It's not a coincidence that it has happened during the COVID years and now post COVID. Okay. Yes, it was an issue before, but the COVID lockdowns mandates worsened it all okay it made it much much worse and that's why we're in the situation we're in now and this is something that people won't talk about so gavin newsom can go around and say okay i'm i'm helping now i'm doing something i'm going to release the california highway patrol and the national guard and you'll have uh, you know local progressive politicians saying okay the cavalry's coming uh, cavalry's coming but they won't talk about how it was they that caused this to happen. It was they with their lockdowns and their COVID measures that made things worse. They made it worse. They made it what it is now. OK. And so here's a story that I'll read to you. And this, this basically says what I'm saying. But it's about lockdowns, mandates and scandals, how Gavin Newsom's COVID-19 response brought California to its knees. This is out of Fox. California Governor 
Gavin Newsom's lockdown-heavy approach to the COVID-19 pandemic is facing new scrutiny as he finds an unlikely ally in former President Donald Trump in attacking Governor Ron DeSantis' handling of the pandemic ahead of the 2024 presidential election. Trump recently dubbed DeSantis the lockdown governor, even though the Florida governor's restrictions were among the least heavy-handed and short-lived in the country. During the pandemic, DeSantis faced heavy criticism, including from Trump's own administration, for not imposing the kind of restrictions that California and other states did. Newsom, whose name has been floated as a possible Democratic alternative to President Biden and who has joined in on Trump's attacks on DeSantis' handling of the pandemic, was the first governor to lock down his state and the last to reopen schools. Newsom's recently mocked DeSantis' freedom-based approach to the pandemic as BS, pointing to Florida's death rate. Florida had 58% higher per capita death rates under COVID. That's freedom? 58% higher per... Okay, he lied about that. And this will... Okay. While Florida's COVID death rate is indeed higher than California's, its rate is still on par with the lockdown-heaviest states like Jersey, Michigan, and New York. Additionally, Florida's elderly population, the heaviest-hit population from the pandemic, makes up 21% of the Sunshine State, making it the oldest state in the nation, second only to Maine, compared to California, to young California, with only 15 of its population being 65 and older. In fact, a newly released study revealed that California and Florida have had roughly equal health outcomes despite their widely different approaches. But California suffered far worse economic education outcomes in Florida due to its prolonged lockdowns. But Trump clearly sees a political advantage in aligning with Newsom against DeSantis. And while Trump and Newsom continue to hammer the Florida governor, they have refrained from targeting each other, even when given the opportunity to do so, because they both see, as I said yesterday on yesterday's show, I said, when you go after somebody that they're going after that person because they see the person as a real threat. And both Newsom and Trump see DeSantis as a threat, threat being becoming the next president of the United States instead of them. Trump hasn't criticized Newsom's pandemic response either, even though Newsom was the first governor in the country to issue a stay-at-home order. Trump's own lockdown guidance even predated DeSantis's first and only stay-at-home order in Florida. On March 16, 2020, then-President Trump and his White House Coronavirus Task Force leader, Dr. Tony Sfauchim, unveiled their 15 days to slow the spread plan which recommended that governors shut down schools, restaurants, and other public places. Newsom closed down his state three days later, while DeSantis waited more than two weeks to issue his on April 1, 2020, which lasted a total of 30 days and never returned. While DeSantis took a more libertarian approach to the pandemic, Newsom repeatedly shut down businesses in his state throughout 2018. N21, and he used his authority to make sure all of California's local governments had restrictions in place, even threatening to cut funding to some cities that refused to enforce them. In April of 20, Newsom said he saw an opportunity to use the COVID-19 crisis to usher in new progressive policies in his state and elsewhere in the country. Absolutely, we see this as an opportunity to reshape the way we do business and how we govern, he said at the time. That shouldn't put shivers up the spines of one party or the other, he said. I think it's an opportunity anew for both parties to come together and meet this moment and really start to think more systematically, not situationally, not just about getting out of this moment. Newsom didn't lift his ban on a social 
non-emergency surgeries such as heart valve replacements and tumor removals until more than a month after his initial lockdown order. His ban on elective surgeries like dental extractions and mole removals was lifted on April 16th, 2020. And on April 30th, 2020, he released a list of approved social distance outdoor activities, which included exploring rock pools, kicking a soccer ball, but not in groups, and going outside to wash the car or watch the sunrise. What a whack a job, huh? Churches in Newsom State remain completely closed until more than two months after the initial order. They briefly reopened on May 25, 2020, when the governor allowed them to operate at a quarter capacity. But he still banned singing and chanting indoors to reduce the spread of saliva droplets carrying the virus. Anti-lockdown protests broke out in California in early May of 2020 which led to hundreds of arrests. And later that month, major protests swept across the country over the Minneapolis police death of George Floyd. Newsom defended the Floyd protests at the time, saying to those who want to express themselves, God bless it. God bless you. You you keep doing it. Your rage is real. Hey, they're in a rage. On June 18th, 2020, Newsom issued a statewide mask mandate for anyone in public older than two, and he was one of the last governors to lift it. In August of 2020, Newsom started releasing thousands of violent criminals early, including those doing time for murder in an attempt to reduce the spread of COVID in prison. It, but, the, but it doesn't matter that it continued the spread of murder. That's okay. It was revealed later that in November that California's Employment Development Department overwhelmed by the uptick in unemployment claims due to the pandemic, paid out at least $140 million in taxpayer funds to prison inmates, resulting from 35,000 fraudulent claims in one of the biggest scams in the state's history. Now, around the same time, Newsom announced $600 million in taxpayer funds that would be spent on hotel rooms for homeless people in an effort to combat COVID-19. On July 13th, 2020, Newsom backtracked on reopening plans he had previously promised and again shut down churches, gyms, restaurants, and museums due to an uptick in cases. That October, Newsom outraged parents after he sent his four kids back to in-person learning at a private school in Sacramento County while public schools in the county remained closed. Newsom ordered uh, whose candidacy and recall fight was largely funded by the teachers' unions, had previously ordered all schools, including private, to close on April 1, 2020, for the rest of the school year. He was later sued over the private school closures and the win for school choice advocates more than a year later, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in July of 21 that the governor violated the fundamental right of parents to control their children's education and to choose their children's educational forum. On November 6th of 2020, Newsom was infamously photographed mingling without a mask with California Medical Association officials at the Ritzy French Laundry Restaurant in Napa, violating a number of his own COVID-19 restrictions. Newsom later admitted that going to the restaurant was a bad mistake on the same day he banned indoor dining in 41 of the state's 58 counties, which includes more than 94 percent of the state's population. The controversy came just weeks after Newsom's formally Former family member Nancy Pelosi was caught on camera breaking COVID-19 restrictions by getting her hair done at a shuttered hair salon in San Francisco. Uh, and by the way, the outrage the liberal showed at that poor hair salon owner for outing 
Pelosi caused that hair salon to be shut down. Unfortunately, Nancy Pelosi remains open for business. In November of 2020, Newsom started a mulling a statewide curfew, citing studies from various countries, including Saudi Arabia. On November 19th, 2020, he ordered an overnight curfew for the majority of the state that stayed in place for more than two months. Roughly two weeks after the curfew mandate, Newsom issued a stay-at-home order banning non-essential business and travel, warning that we need to do everything we can to stem the tide. Just one month later, on January 25th, 2021, the governor lifted the lockdown order as the Republican-led effort to recall him gained momentum. He said at the time that it was complete, utter nonsense. This is just public, drove his decision to lift the lockdown. What a slime ball. On February 7th, 2021, the Supreme Court lifted Newsom's ban on indoor church services, forcing him to issue revised guidelines, which still included a mask mandate, a capacity limit and a singing ban. I'll repeat that again. A singing ban. Earlier this month, the Calvary Chapel Church in San Jose was fired $1.2 million for violating the mask mandate between November 2020 and June 2021. Newsom sparked an uproar again a month later when he and comedian George Lopez filmed a TikTok video inside a Fresno restaurant that was closed at the time due to his restrictions. At the time of Newsom's video, California remained the only state in the country to still have an indoor dining ban in place. The governor later defended himself for participating in the video because he didn't eat there. In July of 2021, Newsom mandated that all state workers and healthcare workers be vaccinated. He also renewed the state's universal mask mandate in schools, contradicting guidance by the CDC at the time that said vaccinated staff and students didn't need the masks. The next month, Newsom mandated that all school staff get either vaccinated or undergo weekly COVID-19 testing, and that anyone who attend an indoor event with a thousand or more people be required to show proofs of vaccine or a recent COVID-19 test, negative test. In September of 2021, DeSantis was threatening heavy fines for Florida businesses who imposed vaccine mandates and vaccine passports, and his ban on mask mandates in schools was upheld in court. Meanwhile, Newsom won a recall election that September 14th after repeatedly warning that a Republican governor would use the DeSantis model on the pandemic and take California right over the COVID cliff. And of course, those, you know, liberal moron voters that I talk about, uh, and we'll talk more about that, uh, vote for him again because they believe that shit. On October 1st, 2021, Newsom announced a vaccine mandate for all K through 12 students in public and private school, a first of its kind in the country that actually never came to be. As you know, we have not been shy. We have continued to lean in, Newsom said at the time. We hope this encourages folks to get vaccinated. The mandate, by the way, leaning in means authoritarian fascist mandates. That's what it means. The mandate was later delayed pending FDA approval and ended this February, along with the expiration of California's state of emergency without ever going into effect. In December of 2021, Newsom issued a new universal indoor mask mandate for everyone older than two and mandated booster shots for all healthcare workers. The next month, in January of 2022, Newsom broke his own mask rules again by partying with Mayor London Breed and then LA Mayor Eric Garcetti without a mask at a 49ers Rams game at SoFi Stadium, which also had its own mask mandate. Newsom defended himself again, saying he only took his mask off briefly for picture taking. In May of 2022, uh, California's Department 
Department of Finance announced that its population had declined for a second year in a row. That same month, Newsom announced he tested positive for COVID-19, despite being fully vaccinated and receiving two boosters. Several months later, Fox News Digital exclusively reported that Kenneth and Judith Sable, Newsom's in-laws and longtime California residents, are DeSantis donors and became Florida residents in 2020 after purchasing a $3.3 million Naples home. On October 6th of 2020, uh, Newsom signed a bill punishing doctors who espouse alleged misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19 that in line, that is not in line with the mainstream. A federal judge blocked the law in January following a pair of lawsuits challenging it on free speech grounds. California's COVID-19 state of emergency officially ended on February 28th of this year, nearly three years after his first of many lockdowns. And yes, this story does go on and on, but this is really, really a good recap. If people say, oh, no, no, uh, they, they were, oh, he was, California was in line with Florida with mandates and, uh, and, you know, DeSantis is the lockdown mayor and Newsom is the mayor of freedom. And, oh, no, you're over, overstating what Newsom did. It was no big deal. Go through this because this is simply a, a really almost month by month look at the draconian, useless, destructive mandates that Gavin Newsom put into place. It, it really outlines everything while comparatively talking about what Ron DeSantis did in, in the state of Florida. And like I said, when they talk about the fentanyl crisis, you can look back to this article and just read this article. Let me ask you something, and I'll talk to Jackie Berlin about this next week. Why isn't the fentanyl crisis huge in Florida as it is in California? Why isn't it that bad in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Tampa as it is in L.A. and San Francisco? Why? Why? But people just take drugs in California? Well, yes, a lot happens in California that makes you want to take drugs and be zoned out and zombied out. But aside from that, we'll just look back at these lockdowns and the difference in the way California handled it and Florida handled it with California just really sending a lot of people into a state of depression. I know many people who said they were very depressed, right? Very depressed. They couldn't find people who thought like them. It was like living in a crazy house. Everyone around them was crazy, watching masks, wearing masks and only ordering takeout and, and loving it and thinking this is the way things should be. Kids who had to think about this. I've taken college courses online. Has anyone taken college courses online? An adult, for an adult, to take college courses online is very difficult because you need, you know, self-discipline. You're not in a, in a classroom. You're not in a, in a, in a classroom where you're actually, you know, getting out there and seeing other people and talking to other students and having a social life and interacting with other humans. It's tough enough to stay uh, focused for an adult taking online college courses. Imagine, imagine. Could you have imagined when you were six, seven years old to have to learn online? Think about that. Think about when you were six, seven, eight, nine years old to have to go online and take courses. We have parents talking about how they could not get their kindergartner or second grade to sit in the chair and look at a, and look at a computer. There were too many distractions. You know, common sense tells us all the distractions that we have, especially children. And how it would be very difficult for them to, you know, especially in this ADHD age, right, to concentrate on a computer 
on a computer and take courses. So all of this happened. And this was all called collateral damage by Fauci, right? Collateral damage by Newsom. But no, it has caused incredible damage. And it, it has lit a fire under the drug addiction issue, under the under the fentanyl issue. That is a big reason why. Fentanyl is such a crisis in California where Gavin Newsom has to send the Highway Patrol, the National Guard out there, where DeSantis doesn't have to do that in Florida. Abbott doesn't have to do that in Texas. OK, so on and so forth. Kemp doesn't have to do that in Georgia. OK, so on and so forth. Hey, domestic, how are you doing tonight? How are you, Mike? I'm doing I'm doing good. Thought provoking ideas again. I have a question I want you to help me understand local people. Go ahead. Okay. So on one hand, tolerating lockdowns with very little pushback for many, many months and and also uh, ten, leaning toward working from home more than not and leaning toward ordering food in more than not, leaning toward streaming uh, movies more than going out suggest that these people don't value being out as much as we would like them to be, specifically right. in this local society. On the other hand, the same people are obsessed with sitting in traffic for four or five hours to get to Tahoe, to go to Napa wine tasting, to travel to distant lands nonstop. So um, how do you reconcile these two two things? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, th I think there are a lot of people who simply got used to not doing anything, not traveling. You know, I'm going to look, look at it from my personal level here. I, I find that happens to me. It's like uh, when I'm traveling a lot, when I'm getting out there and I'm traveling a lot, I want to do it more and more. I get like the bug. I'm like, okay, where am I going next? I don't want to even, I don't want to even stay home for a month. But when I get into a pattern where I'm not traveling for five, six, seven months, I get kind of kind of lazy and, and traveling is like a, a you know, a, it's, it's, it's a schlep to me. I think, Oh, do I have to, I got to deal with the airports and I got to deal with this and I got to deal with that. So when I get into like that groove of traveling a lot, I want to travel more, but when I'm sedentary for a while, I am very happy with just staying where I am. And I find I have to forcibly get myself to go somewhere and to get in that groove again. I think this is what, I mean, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think this is what happened during the COVID years is that people simply got used to the quote unquote new normal. Right. Yeah. And now it's very hard for them to get back to the old. Yes. Normal, yes. Right. Don't, do you think yes. that's, do you think that's a possibility? No, I, absolutely. And think about it. Like when you go on vacation for two weeks, how hard it is to come back into your routine. And when you've been away from routine for several years and nobody's really pushing you that hard to fully come back a hundred percent to your routine. Yeah. It's really hard. It's very hard. Yeah. So I think people just simply got to not going anywhere. And I, I still talked. Look, I went to the movies tonight and uh -huh. uh, hey, a shock on Friday night. And I went to a movie. Uh, but okay. so and I'm coming back and the, and the Uber driver, I'm talking to the Uber driver, a nice Asian guy, fairly thick accent. But we're talking. And he said, oh, what movie did you see? And I said, oh, well, Bo was afraid. And we we're talking a little bit. And then he said, oh, my God, I haven't been to a movie in like four years. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I get used to streaming it on the TV now. I do it at yeah. home. I don't, don't go to the movies anymore. And I go, oh, my goodness. That's, and I think that's exactly 
part of the problem. There are people who didn't go to the movies, right? Because people like Gavin Newsom told people you couldn't go to the movies, right? Or if you wanted to go, you had to sit there with a mask and suffocate for three hours. So people decided they didn't want to do that. So they stayed home. And now since even though we're well past that time and the movie theaters are open and you don't have to wear a mask for a while now, people haven't gone back because they've simply gotten used to no, that. but these things were moving in that direction even before lockdowns. Maybe well, not. Well, no, but, but once I, yes, as I said about fentanyl, things were getting bad before lockdown, but the lockdowns exacerbated all of it. It made all of it much worse. It made it yeah. tougher to reverse and go back. Of on, course. You know what I'm saying? Course. It made it tougher for people to get out there again. And that's the problem is that. Uh, you, you didn't before the lockdown. I didn't really talk to many people who said, "Oh, I haven't gone to a movie in three years, or I haven't taken a vacation in three years." But yeah. over the last four years, that's what's happened, and right. people still now, you know, some people are getting moving again, but there's still a lot of people who aren't. There's still right. a lot of people I talk to all the time who still say they haven't gone on vacation since before 2020, and you say, "Well, but why?" And it really comes down to they just got used to not, right? I mean, they'll use a whole host of excuses, right? Well, I say I want to save money now and blah, blah, blah. But it's really they just didn't get used. They got used to not doing it. Yeah. And, and that <laughs> there's no there's no real way to gauge how long that's going to go on and how much damage all these years of people not moving around is doing to this country. To the, the world, but especially this country. Localized it is because you ask anybody who's traveling around the world, uh, it's 150% back to normal. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, I want to finish my little thing. You mentioned fentanyl. I have a message for Californians, specifically for San Francisco, about mm-hmm. Newsom. These people are cheering Newsom. They're very excited about whatever it is that he wants to do. If these zombies these lifeless robots, if they are going to give Newsom a vote because of something that he does exclusively for himself, for his campaign, after not giving a shit about us and about drugs for all this time, not caring, if they cannot see through it or if they don't want to see through that scummy approach of his, through his sleazy approach, they deserve to drown in the filth that they have been swimming in. For the past, I don't know how long. Do you think his move is going to make a difference? It might, because I will tell you, honestly, I'm telling you, you can clean this place in an hour if you really want to. Mm. If you really want to. There might be some court action, some ACLU bullshit, but ACLU, all these brainwashed zombies, they're on his side. So if he says, let's do this, they will join him. I mean, he's the establishment, right? You can clean those three dirty streets with drugs in one hour if you want to. Um, what is? What do you think it takes? What do you, when you say, uh, when if you want to, what does that mean? Well, oh, would you do? well, you know what, what you they do, do when put, we have big. If I put you in charge of it, what would you do? Well, I wouldn't do what they do here. You know, when there is an event, Super Bowl, whatever they they wash the streets, they push them away. I don't know where they push them elsewhere. Um, I, 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 what would I do? I, I, I would do what was proposed before. I would build some t- t- mental institutions and some cheap housing on the outskirts. And I would force these people, no sleeping on the street. You want to sleep, go sleep near Cal Palace in these complexes there. 
or mental institution if you need rehab. Nobody is allowed to lay on the, on, on, on the asphalt. That's it. No laying on the asphalt, period. Yeah, but the problem with that is, uh, you know, is that what happens? They go away for an hour, they come back later, or they go away for a couple of days. He only needs later. them to go away while he's campaigning. That's it. Yeah, I guess. But campaigning for what? What's he campaigning for? Uh, it's our worst fears might come true. President, VP, whatever. Our worst. Well, not if. Not if. Uh, I mean, we we believe it looks like that Biden's going to announce on Tuesday he's running again. So once Biden announces he's running, none of these major Democratic figures are going to run against him. So Newsom, my my prediction might not my prediction might not work unless something happens to Biden over the next year, and then yeah. someone like Newsom would be positioned to swoop in, you know. But, but let's just assume that Biden stays healthy for the next year. Uh, there'll be no President Newsom next year, maybe four years from now, but not next year. But or or Newsom candidacy, I don't think he'll ever win. But I, I don't I think that I think that part of what he's doing, Newsom, is that, yes, part of it was OK, in case he runs or whatever it may be. But I think he's also trying to be the uh, he thinks he's being a white knight for the Democratic Party by going after Ron DeSantis and putting chinks in his armor as though anyone outside of California gives a shit about what Gavin Newsom thinks. Yeah. That's that's the part I don't get. That's yeah. the part I don't get. I, well, I, I don't. I don't see Middle America caring much about what Gavin Newsom says. In fact, if you ask most voters in Middle America their opinion of Gavin Newsom, they'll say he's he's, he's terrible. Go to yeah. Florida, ask them about Gavin Newsom. See how much how many people like them. Like even uh, so, even Democrats don't like him, and uh, you know, in other states because they're like sane Democrats, not completely deranged. But you think he's really? It's a coincidence that all of a sudden he started caring about our fentanyl. Has to be a reason for that. Well, there was a lot of pressure put on him by people like London Breed and a lot of supervisors here and, you know, and activists who got on his case and were out there in the media criticizing him for not doing anything. So I think the political pressure, look, Newsom only does something when there's something, when there's a political angle to it, okay? He doesn't do anything on his own, out of the goodness of his heart. He doesn't have any original ideas. It's just when there's political pressure, enough political pressure, he'll move on something. So like he did, and of course lied about it when he, when he dropped mandates, just as his, <laughs> you know, the uh, recall thing was going, right? He knew yeah. politically he had to at that point. And he, and he, look, politically, I hate the guy. He's a scumbag. Everyone knows I hate the hair gel king of California, but politically he's Machiavellian. So he knew that he knew here, here. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I got this recall thing going. I'll just, Drop all the mandates and the people in California, especially the Democrats, will love me for it. And they'll vote for me again. And they did. So now he's getting all this political pressure from Democrat leaders and activists. And he feels, OK, now it's time to move on this politically. So that's what he does. Will it make a difference? You know, I think Jackie Berlin, who once again, Monday night, I'll have on Jackie Berlin of Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths. And she'll have a, her own views as a person on the street who has real skin in the game whose son is a fentanyl addict and out there on the streets she'll have a, her own perspective on if this is going to work or what what what, what, question, what should be done question what? are, are we yeah. putting too much stock in uh, just this problem being so significant let's say you wake up tomorrow not a single drug addict not a single homeless 
Tenderloin pristine, Market Street pristine, how long would it take from that day when everything is pristine and clean? How long would it take for our endless vacant retail spaces to fill up and for this city to be back to its normal vibrance? How long? Forever. A very long time. Even if everything is right and everything is clean, it's still going to take yeah, a long then, time. Then yeah. people would people would would be afraid to move. To, people would be afraid to put roots here, feeling that it would happen again. Everything would go to shit again, and then they put roots here and they put money into it and they put skin in the game, and then everything goes to hell and it's again. Not, and it's not like people who already moved all of a sudden they instantly gonna you know leave the places that they presumably like where they are now and they're gonna come back necessarily, right? Yes. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, so yeah, yeah. Daniel, let me do something here. Daniel wants to come on with you and me. He okay. Wants to do, he, do you do you uh, mind a three way with Daniel? Is that okay? Only if it's unprotected. Unprotected. It is. Hey, yeah. this yeah. show is unprotected. There's Perfect. no protection here. There's no delay, Perfect. so people can say. So what I have to do, Daniel, is I have to make you a speaker. I'm going to invite you to speak. Okay, and then once you go into the speaker's queue, you should be able to talk well you have to accept i think daniel so accept the invitation to speak i'll do it again invite to speak and hopefully it'll work oh, there you go okay if you take your mic off uh unmute your mic you'll be able to talk and there he left again sometimes this works sometimes i really liked how you were yelling at him the other day with your ghetto ass new york accent that i was, was so not funny. yelling i i yell so hilarious i don't I don't recall yelling. It's funny when I, I mean, let's try this again. Invite to speak. When I look, listen to myself back, when I listen to the show back, I don't hear myself yelling. I don't know. It doesn't sound like yelling to me. You know, that's normal talking in New York. You understand that, right? We're live. Oh, Daniel, there you are. <laughs> what were you talking about? About yelling while yelling. I was trying to. Yelling at you, he says. I was yelling at you. You know, no, no, no. We're being this is just live, live, lively, spirited discussions. Exactly. Nope. We're down exactly. in first meetings to uh, this audio, so we're being hypocrites. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. I appreciate lively, spirited discussions, especially with people that I uh, that I uh, agree with uh, so much. Uh, and, and thanks for. Thanks for the trip down uh, memory lane with that article that you read, read about all the uh, the, the uh, hell that uh, Gruesome Newsom put us through here. Well, that's a um, that's a great article to send to people when they say, "Oh, you're overdoing it. It wasn't that bad." Send that article to them. Where that's basically yeah. a month by month guide to how he destroyed California. And so much of it, even even us, even we, um, the three of us here, so much of that, I'm sure each one of us has has forgotten. Um, and we and and when we're reminded of it, yes. we, we just you just you know it just really hits home what, what this what this person did to us, um, and yeah. and it also hits home. And that's mainly why I wanted to call is uh, because the two of you are on here is just to, to express my um, my 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 thanks and um, my gratitude for um, having people like Mike Chapoli. And domestic terrorists. Um, <laughs> domestic doesn't want probably probably doesn't want his real name mentioned, so I'm just going to call him uh, DT. Um, I'm, I'm just so thankful for for having these people here in, in San, San Francisco, and um, to you know commiserate with and exchange ideas and talk about you know the injustice of what was going on here, and for your program to talk about the injustice. Um, 
you know, it's, it's been it's been a really shit, shitty, fucked up three years. But there there's also good things that, that, that have come of it. Um, and so that's the, that's the main thing called called about. Uh, and why you guys were talking, um, you, you mentioned uh, arcade. Uh, uh, so, you know, we could we could just call him like A. Hey, if you want. <laughs> I was thinking of expanding my name to DTF. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Aren't you aren't you AI? <laughs> I am, I am, I am. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're AI. Talk to AI. <laughs> so, yeah. so, 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 so DT mentioned uh um, you know, once 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 this uh, fentanyl problem and, and crime problem is is, is cleared up, um, are people going to come back into the offices? Um, mm. and, and and yeah, I think you're right in saying it's going to take a long time, and it's because they're they're not here, they're not coming here solely because of the, or they're they're avoid they're not avoiding San Francisco solely because of the crime and the drugs. Certainly, that's a huge part of the problem, but. It fucked with their heads. The whole COVID thing fucked with their heads. Fucked with the way that they deal with um, work ethic. Fucked with the way that they deal with um, what they value in their life. I mean, this last three years has done not not research, but just muddied the water with respect mm. to um, what people value in their lives. Yes, um, because because it is it has pulled the ground from underneath us on which we build those values in which we build those structures that we value in our life. When you don't have a, a stable foundation, what do you build upon? That's a good point. There is. And, and by the way, those of you who want to go on Twitter and look up, it's at domestic four one five, right? That's your handle. On, yes. on Twitter. Okay. And what, what he'll do is he, he puts up domestic puts up videos of urban decay, basically, namely in downtown San Francisco and around the city. And he'll post, you know, he puts sarcastic little comments like, look how progressive this is. <laughs> Things are looking particularly progressive this morning. And they're just, it, it shows you basically what we have to deal with being residents of, of, of this city. And this really would work for a lot of places. There are many places in Los Angeles, in, Los Angeles. True. in New York City now, in Manhattan, where this is true, in Brooklyn, uh, Chicago, uh, New Orleans, Philadelphia, so on and so forth. But for a specifically San Francisco point of view, you can go on at Domestic 415 and see some, at uh, some point, some sometimes really depressing images. Well, thank you for this promo, Mike. I, I appreciate it. Well, it's it's but it's real life, and I, I notice yeah. that people like those images. Not they don't like them as though they're you know they think they're joyful, but they like seeing. They like they like sh showing people reality, the way oh. things are. Also, you know what else is interesting? People who move away, they're still super curious about what's going on here. Yes, and I'm yes. very fascinated how they still follow. Some, is it because you think they harbor hope that they want to come back or part of them still wonders whether they should have left? Like, why Why do they care so much about what's if going you, on? If, if you also go on, um, look, I'm, I'm doing a Twitter, uh, what do you call it, a day, a day of Twitter uh, accounts, promotions. But there's also another account, and it's at uh, Book of Hours. And it's also Julie, J-U-L-I-E, at Book of Hours. And she used to live. She's a friend who used to live here. Actually, she was a Bernie Krat, her and her husband or a Bernie Kratz, and that's how we met. And they moved three years back to Pittsburgh. And so there, 
part of those people that Domestic talks about that used to live here not too long ago. It's not like we're talking 20, 30 years ago. We're talking four or five years ago. And they see those photos and these videos and they can't believe what they see and how different it is just from a few years ago. Okay, how bad things have gotten over the last four or five years, you know, and they are some of the people who left um, and they didn't even leave for those reasons. They left because it was so expensive here and they can afford a house in, in, in Pittsburgh and they couldn't afford a house here, but they just can't believe what's happened here. And a lot of people are in that position. People who used to live here didn't leave very long ago and just are shocked at the images that domestic puts up. Yeah, they are. Um, there are interesting images, and I, I appreciate the snark too. There, DT. <laughs> well, you have to have a little fun with it, you know. Good. Yeah, I, I, I really um, have grown to appreciate uh, snark a lot more <laughs> over the last three years because uh, yeah, it, it connects with um, with the. Um, yeah, it just it, it just resonates resonates strongly with the way that I feel about the um, the city. I mean, it's a beautiful beautiful city, uh, but it's it's being it's being destroyed from within. Um, oh, and by the way, um, I don't think that uh, 140 million dollars of fraud that was was committed with respect to uh, COVID funds. Uh, I, I don't think that that was uh, accidental at all. We're seeing from more and more. Yeah. We're seeing more and more of the fraud that's been committed. These people who uh, uh, developed fake businesses. This is one couple I saw. They developed like five or six fake businesses that weren't even real. And they got like several million for each business, you know, and they made millions and millions off it. And I remember the people they caught were the ones who really went too far. Right. But there's a lot of people who didn't get caught because the dollar amounts weren't as high as these people. There's so much corruption with that stuff and so much waste, which is once again why I now believe wholeheartedly in the libertarian way of big government being bad. And you can't trust big government to do anything right, which is why I'm loath to believe what Gavin Newsom is doing is going to work with fentanyl. I just don't think anything he does is going to work. I think, like like Domestic said, I think you really have to have a more hands-on approach of we're just going to clean it. We're going to wash it all away, right? We're going to go out there. We're going to clean it up. We're going we're gonna to sweep it away. We're going to say you can't lay on the street here. You can't lay in front of someone's apartment. You can't lay in the middle of the street. This is not civilization. You there can't is, um, do this. Um, yes, Mike. There is another fundamental intellectual flaw of uh, punishing um, normal people or hardworking, law-abiding people at the, uh, well, punishing them for the benefit of the small minority advantaged people. This is true with trans, that uh, the trans rights infringe on a much larger group of women and homeless, <laughs> drug addict and criminal rights are infringing on 99% of the rest of the population, right? Right, right. Yeah, so... Um, that's an intellectual dishonesty of putting disadvantaged people, assuming they are not even equal, but above everybody else, the vast majority. This is wrong. This is hypocritical, intellectually dishonest, and vi virtue signaling of just moronic, idiotic. Yeah, yeah, I, have high, yeah. I have high suspicions that that 40, $140 million was some backdoor reparations. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah. It's very possible. You know, but, uh, you know, I, I, once again, I think we're really in a, in a situation now where the crisis has gotten so bad. Look at how bad, but look at how bad it had to get before oh. he came here and acknowledged it. All right. Before the governor of the state made an appearance here and walked through whatever area, probably the Tenderloin he was walking through and said, okay, we're going to, I'll do something now. How sad is that? That it takes this much. How many, how many people have died of fentanyl now? Over a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand last year. I mean, it's, it's just, it's insane that it took so much for this guy. How many bulletin boards? I, I count at least two that Jackie Berlin's Mothers Against Drug Addiction Deaths had to put up in Union Square, right? Why? Why? Why did Jackie Berlin and other mothers who have children who have died of fentanyl poisoning or have children as fentanyl addicts have to take, have to spend money and put up billboards on their own before the goddamn governor came here and did something about this? You yeah. guys, um, guys um, you go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead. Uh, you, earlier you were asking, well, well, what to do about it, and... And um, DT said that you could clean it up with, within an hour. Well, you could you could you can get rid of the surface level stuff with, with within an hour. You know what, what you see on the street um, to get rid of the the problem that would then be swept underground is is more difficult. Um, right. But 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 <laughs> imminently doable. And a big component of this, and it's been used widely all over the world um, when problems like this arise and get concentrated in certain cities that are seen to be friendly for concentrating these problems. And that method of, of significantly turning back um, this, this, this tide of drug abuse is something that we all call greyhound therapy, where you just mm. put, the, you put them on the bus, you ask them where they want to go, and you set, give them a little money and you send them in that direction. And 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 then while while they are gone, you make the city more unhospitable to them coming back. <laughs> you, I'm sorry, this is not a laughing matter, but you reminded me about that scene in Bad Lieutenant, where Harvey Keitel at the end takes the the two the two kids who raped the nun, and he puts them on a bus at Port Authority and sends them out, and you have that famous Harvey Keitel crying scene at the end of, of Bad Lieutenant. But it's that kind of a thing where you basically say, okay, here's a ticket on the Greyhound bus. Get the fuck out of my city, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is something that, go, that, that used to, at least. I'm not sure how much it goes on now because I'm not practicing medicine. But back in the day, when, when especially with psychiatric patients, it was, it, was, it was this common practice that psychiatric patients would commonly and repeatedly come into a specific hospital and mm -hmm. use tremendous amounts of resources. And the hospitals would eventually say, we can't tolerate this. So the hospitals would get money by backdoor methods and, and purchase these people tickets and just send them to another city that has adequate health care and just get them out of their hair. This was done at the hospital level. Right. Right. Absolutely. No doubt about it. No, so the gov there, government wasn't even get involved. It was such a financial burden and research. That's burden why it's really going to take it's going to take a very unwoke like like domestic talks about, like you're talking about a very unwoke process. Yeah. To actually work. And yeah. there's no way London Breed and Gavin Newsom at all are going to do things that are unwoke. 
They're not. No, you, no, no, no one's going to woke their way out of this shit. This, we woke no. our way, woke our way into it. Right. No, we, we definitely we, woked our way. Yes, we, we did. We, we sleep. Woke, we woke the whole, Say that ten times. We woke our way we, in. Yeah, we, we, we sleep. Way. We sleep woke our way into it. <laughs> yeah. right. Guys. Yes. Guys. Oh, yes. Not so long ago, the cops were so strict here. You wouldn't dare to come out with an alcohol, with an open alcohol bottle and walk on the street. And a few times I saw it happen, the cops would stop, run out of the car, come up to you and would hit your hand so that the drink would fall down on the floor. So people really cared about the law. I'm not saying there were no homeless or drugs, but there was a lot of cops a lot of presence, and there were little laws that were super enforced. So they know how to do it when they want to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, then we had, and then we had the BLM uh, stuff that happened that created a, um unhospitable attitude toward policing. And then at the same time, we had everyone driven indoor by the COVID hysteria, which abandoned the streets to lawlessness. And I, I remember taking my... Um, my son and his girlfriend in uh, shortly after I moved to San Francisco, but a year and a half ago, um, taking them out for dinner. And, and, and I had seen this um, personally. They had never seen this before in their lives. Running across in, in North Beach, running across a guy openly taking a shit on the sidewalk. This oh, is how God. lawless yeah. that period, period was. They felt like they could just do this and they were laughing while they were doing it. I, I've seen I've seen the pissing. I haven't seen the I haven't seen the defecation yet. Personally. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I think I could cut, count maybe four times that I've seen it happening. And when it, and it happened with my 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 son and his girlfriend, that was just for for me. It was just like that, that really hit home. Yeah, it's not. This is not a civilized society. This is a third world country. I don't even think they do these things in third world countries. This is maybe a fourth world country. This is what this is, where you have people. And look, people think I'm <laughs> I'm being hyperbolic when I say people are pissing and shitting in the streets here. They think I'm just they think I'm, I'm, I'm allegorical. It's not. It's actually happening here. They're doing this all the time here. And they're doing it right in do. front yeah, you walk yeah. around the city a lot, so you see it more than I do. But yeah, they do it right in front of you. It's not like you walk by a pile of shit and you wonder, oh, I wonder if that's human or or, or animal. Or if he, it, it, no, you, you you see the guy doing it right in front of you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is not wait, wait. In the city where they were so afraid of COVID, it's like they're not. They're so, they were so afraid of this stuff, right? Germs, 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 germs yeah. are going to spread. COVID's going to. If you eat at a restaurant, you're going to spread your germs and kill the whole diner yet some people shitting and pissing on the streets there's nothing unhealthy about that right daniel yeah yeah they, 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 they've lost their fear of they lost their fear of enterobacteria during that time and, and there, <laughs> yeah. there was only one right. disease and only one disease it was heresy to talk about anything else but and it, that continues to happen that continues to happen because we have created a society where people believe this is really the simple part of it that they can behave like animals right We've told them animalistic yeah. behavior is okay. We've We're going to accept message. animalistic yep. behavior. We've sent them that message loud and clear in San Francisco. And there's, and there's, you know, surprisingly, there's, there's a huge number of our population that behaves perfectly fine. 
I mean, you can go to the grocery store and still see people paying for their groceries, despite the fact that every time you go to a grocery store, I mean, Safeway just went out of business in the wharf area because they, they could uh, put up with the uh, the crime. The theft whole Foods, right. uh, and, domestic, and, Whole Foods just closed, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you go, go, you go to these places and, and still people there, you know, most people are still behaving uh, according to the law. They're paying for the groceries. But there is such I mean, when did we ever any, see, see anything on this scale before? I mean, I, I, I literally could never go to the Safeway in the Marina area without seeing p- people openly shoving stuff, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of stuff into large backpacks and just walking out of the front door. I mean, when have we ever seen anything remotely like that? We never have. We no, never but have. The, yeah, and, but surprisingly, what? there are, are enough people within the society yes. that, that it's, um, it's... are still good people and and behaving according to the law and realize the importance of of, of society um, and how and and what we learned over the last few years. What I learned, I should say, I don't want to talk for anybody else, is how brittle society really is, and and if it just would have got pushed a little bit more. You, we literally could have seen San Francisco collapse during the last two years. It, it, it may financially collapse yet. Um, we're in huge trouble, and it is in kind of a death spiral mode at this point. With driving more and more people up, jacking taxes up, taxes up more, driving more and more people up, and it's in a really vicious feedback cycle. So we may see the destruction yet, but we could have seen it very precipitously. During 2020, if it wasn't for the good people that are still left in this world. Yeah. And like I said, it's getting to the point now where things are becoming so much more prevalent right here that each of us now are experiencing things that, you know, when I lived in New York, I would hear about problems. Right. I, I, I might know someone. I might know someone who knows someone who knows someone. Yeah. who had a, a problem, got robbed or something happened or saw someone pissing on the street. But I never experienced it. But now things are becoming so much more prevalent here uh, in big cities, especially San Francisco, where all of us are now experiencing this either firsthand or we know someone directly who's experienced this stuff. That's how close it's getting to everybody because it's becoming so prevalent. You see, that's that's the difference. That's the difference. And yeah. these are things that people in most parts of this country will never have to experience. They'll never experience someone pissing on the street or shitting on the street or someone assaulting them or someone, like you say, putting a bunch of food in their pants and running out the store. Most people in most parts of this country will never experience any of that firsthand, let alone all of it. Like yeah, have. all of all, all of it, all, all of it advice. once every single right. day that you step out <laughs> in, into the more or less heavily trafficked areas of San Francisco, North Beach Wharf, um, uh, even Chestnut um, Union, Union Street um, around the Presidio, all the places that people really used to love to go that are heavily trafficked. That's that's where. Um, that's where most of this is concentrated. You can still go, you know, go up into the avenues areas and it, it can look more or less except for the occasional tent on the corner. And those tents are getting bigger, aren't they? Um, but they but more or less, it, it looks like it might have um, three years ago. But get, get into any of the heavily trafficked areas, the areas, areas that were um, typically and historically heavily trafficked. And yeah, um, people... 
I don't think they have a good understanding of what it's still like here in San Francisco. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm out in North Beach right now as we're walking right here, some background traffic. I have literally walked by four or five people in doorways, sleeping in doorways that look like they've been wearing the clothes that they're wearing for two years and, and reek of urine like you just could not yeah, you imagine have to, possible. You have, to hold, you have to hold your breath. Yeah, yeah, it is that bad. I have literally, in the time that we've been talking, walked by four or five such individuals on, and, and walking through North Beach on, on Columbus Avenue. Now, there was a time not too long ago you would not experience any of that, not one person, not yeah. one person. I mean, I, I've lived in several major cities, and not until living here in the last few years have I, you know, like you do, passed so many people on the street who are either homeless or naked or smell like piss or shit or are on drugs or schizophrenic or yelling at p other people or yelling at themselves. It's constant. It's every day. It's every day. It's every single day. And by the way, it's not illegal to be naked in San Francisco. I know. But the thing with that ordinance is that it's never the right people who are naked. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it exactly. is. Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's, it's like if you've ever been to a, a nude beach, it's never yeah, the yeah, right yeah, people. Yeah, 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 Black Beach in San Diego, yeah. It's never the right people. It's yeah, not yeah. the people you'd video. They don't got to worry yeah. about being videotaped. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No one no one hot is on Black Beach. It's, it's never been that way. Even even in the days when when, when I went to school there and there used ESD, even in the, in the 80s when, uh, you know, the obesity pandemic wasn't near what it was today, still, the hotties never came out in the nude picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they just, the domestic leave our conversation, he very quietly left. He, he yeah, I think, left. He, I okay. think he quietly left, yeah. <laughs> he very quietly left. He's like, you, you're, you're, you and I could be a little overwhelming, I think, Daniel. But uh, it's it's true, though. It's 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 sad in what's happened here. And like I said, when you talk about this fentanyl thing, I don't want to hear anything about Newsom being this great savior, this great white knight who's coming in now and is going to clean this city up because because it's Gavin Newsom. I don't believe it's going to work because he's not going to do the things like we said, the real unwoke things, the real tough love things that need to be done to clean it up. And he only swooped in after years and years of people, you know, yapping that he needs to come here and do something. And but when he was pressure. mayor, he, yeah, when he was mayor, what did he say? He was going to clean it all up. <laughs> yeah, in May, when he became mayor, he said by, yeah. by 2018, yeah. there'd be no more homeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when the problem when the problem was it was a small fraction of what it is now, he couldn't clean it up. So, so now now that he's not mayor, um, he's going to clean it up. Yeah, that's going to happen. No, it's not. It's not going to. They're not going to. Believe me, the, the, the drug dealers are not shivering right now. They're not worried. They're not yeah. concerned about Gavin Newsom. And, yeah, and, well, and I, I cannot believe uh, one, one last uh, item before I, I hang up here. I really cannot believe the fact that um, Trump is aligning himself with Newsom in any way. Is he is he mentally retarded or what? I mean, everyone, everyone. Everyone that knows anything about uh, Newsom, who is also a conservative or even an independent, that's going to drive them the fuck away like a... a well, <laughs> yes, he's lying. He's, 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 he's joining Newsom in lying about Ron DeSantis because they have a mutual enemy, right? Exactly. And that is going to turn so many people it, off. That, it already that, is. That were formerly formerly his supporters. It already is. You're hearing a lot of Republicans saying that, that Trump is running like a Democrat. He might as well yeah. be a Democrat. And yes, that's turning exactly. a lot of Republicans off, a lot of them.
Yeah. Yep. He'll, he's not, Trump's not going to last. All right. I know people are saying, oh, Mike, you said Newsom was going to be the nominee, not Biden. Okay. I may or may not be right about that. Maybe it would be JFK Jr. instead of Newsom. But there's no way Trump's going to last. He's not. Because he is really turning a lot of people off. He's, he's turning a lot he's, of people he's off. Looking, yeah. Yeah. He's looking for an angle at this point. And he's getting desperate because DeSantis has been so principled. Um, and he's sticking to his principles. And that's something that Trump isn't used to dealing with. Well, and he's running such a piss poor campaign, Trump, because we keep on hearing from him and from his supporters how great of a president he was. And he did several. If you can look at it from a nonpartisan point of view, and I didn't vote for Trump either time, but he did some really good things. As president, he was a much better president than Biden, especially in the first three years. Exactly. Before COVID yep. So why 100%. not tout your accomplishments? Tout them. Tout all your accomplishments and say, look, look at how this guy Biden has undone all the great things I did. Let That's that's how I'd advise him to say, if I was his campaign manager, talk about all the great things you did that have been undone by Biden that you want to bring back again. That's what your campaign should be about. Why are you focused on DeSantis? Why? Because Trump is a very small, insecure man. And if someone dare run against him, he has to attack them viciously. That's, yeah, that's you, his you, thing. He has to. Yeah, you, you summed up the, the strategy um, w- with respect to Newsom and, and Trump uh, uh, perfectly. If, if, if he was smart, he would have, he would have made that contrast. Um, throwing his support behind Newsom is just is just crazy. Well, he once again, a secure person wouldn't even have to think about an opponent. Don't don't think about Ron DeSantis. Don't worry about it. Just run your campaign and say, I was president. I was special. I, this is so simple. I don't. My guess is that he's just ignoring the experts who tell him. I'm sure they're telling him the same thing I'm telling. If I can tell them, the people are making $10 million a year are telling him this. That's saying, look, ignore DeSantis. Just talk about your accomplishments. You, He was governor of Florida, but you've already been president of the United States. You have the experience. You did a good job. Just talk about that. But guarantee, yeah. you know Donald Trump, he can't stay on script. And you know what? That's exactly what DeSantis is doing. And that is the winning strategy. Absolutely. He's ignoring Trump. And he's exactly. just talking about his accomplishments in Florida. And he's yep. saying, this is the Florida blueprint. This is the blueprint I'm going to bring to the other 49 states. That's the yep. perfect campaign. The perfect yep. campaign. Yeah. Yep. Which is why okay. he will win. He will win. Okay. Whoever runs a better campaign is going to win. That's yep. the way it's before, be. before I hang up, I have to ask you one important question. Mm-hmm. What's on your mind, Mike? Oh, please. You should, <laughs> he's doing he's doing an impersonation of Karthik. Karthik, I think, got a little mad at me for for yelling at him or making fun of him the other day. Oh, I, I, I love Karthik. I love when Karthik calls. I know. It, it, just, it, it cracks just, me up every time he asks you, ask you one of those repetitive questions. You know, <laughs> Karthik's one of those guys that he's allowed to get under your skin, but you can't give it back to him. <laughs> that's the way it goes you know hey that's like trump he can give it out but you can't give it back to him <laughs> that's what it comes down to uh daniel thanks i appreciate have, it have a good night all right okay all right so before review portion of our friday evening program since we're talking about local politics and san francisco politics what I had not talked about in a couple of weeks was with all these issues we're seeing here 
in California and San Francisco and around the country. Democrats have recently talked about reparations, right? And we talked about this, how these reparations are just like a, a they're dangling a carrot in front of the face of the black voters, right? They're dangling that carrot and they're constantly, you know, the image, right? Dangling the carrot and constantly moving the carrot back and they're never going to get that carrot. And that's the same thing that they're doing here. And now a report comes out saying that Mayor London Breed of San Francisco has no plans to support the request for $50 million uh, for $50 million reparations office. The mayor of San Francisco, this is the Washington Examiner, has no plans at all to support a request for $50 million from the city's reparations committee. The request from African-American Representations Advisory Committee, which wants these reparations, asked in March for an appropriation of 50 mil to establish an office of reparations. This isn't even, understand this, this isn't nearly the amount it would cost to give over a thousand black residents, $5 million each, plus $100,000 a year for the next 250 years of their generational and their family, plus a home for a buck. This is nothing near that. They want 50 million just to open an office of reparations to begin finding eligible participants. They're, they're doing a search and it'll cost them $50 million. There's only about three to 4% of San Francisco that are black. Okay. You don't got to search very hard here. Uh, when Breed was asked by Supervisor Shaman Walton if she would support the request, she had, she had no plans to support it. So she knows this. She, here, this, this is the plan, which I'll go over quickly for those of you who didn't hear. The current proposal by the Reparations Advisory Committee calls for $5 million payments along with other benefits, benefits for black residents of San Francisco, including the elimination of personal debt and tax burdens, a guaranteed annual income of at least 97 grand for the next 250 years, and homes in the city for a buck per family. The committee argues the proposals are necessary to remedy past, you know, uh, what do they call them? How do they put this? Past injustices against black residents of the city. So this is absolutely insane, obviously. obviously. This is insane if the city were in the black, okay? If the city were in the black and had money to burn, this would be crazy. But as you know, the city is broke. We have an incredibly bad homeless problem, an incredibly bad fentanyl issue, drug addiction issue. Small businesses have been destroyed. Many big corporations have left along with the jobs. And this city is in shit shape along with California and the rest of the country. So there'll be no reparations. But they talk about it to dangle that carrot. OK, they just want to dangle that carrot to make black voters believe that they're on their side. Democrats are on your side. Republicans aren't. Democrats are pushing for these reparations that they know will never, ever happen because they simply can't. It's just simple, simple finances. They can't. There's no way these reparations are ever going to happen. The city doesn't have the money. The state doesn't have the money. The country, okay, doesn't have the money. So it's, it's, it's once again the Democratic Party using black voters just simply to get their votes, just simply to get their votes, which is in itself an incredible, horrible form of racism. It's incredible racism. When you know we can just use people 
to get their votes by dangling a carrot in front of their faces, basically just offering them free stuff and free money and saying, you know, you need this money. You need you need this money to, to, to make it. You can't make it. The white person doesn't need that money. They can make it without the money. But you need the money. You need the help. I, I can't think of anything more racist than that. I really can't. I really can't. Imagine having a white person and a black person standing in front of you. You're you're a boss and you're hiring, okay? And you say to the white guy, well, you got what it takes. The black guy, you know what? I'm gonna I'll give you a few bucks a month because you don't really got it. You you need this money. You can't you can't get the job. You can't do the job. I'll just give you the white person can do the job. You I'll give you money. Don't worry about it. It's it's so fucking racist. Incredibly racist. But once again, it proves that Democrats are the biggest racists around. Okay, one more final thing. I lied. One more. I had up on my computer. Kevin Kiley. By the way, Kiley, I believe in May next month, the third Wednesday, I believe it is of May, is going to be at the uh, uh, log cabin Republicans meeting in San Francisco. They hold a meeting the third Wednesday of every month, and Kevin Kiley, I believe. You can go on the San Francisco Log Cabin Republicans website to verify this. But last I saw, the May meeting will have Kevin Kiley. And Kevin Kiley introduces a constitutional amendment requiring election of U.S. senators. Now, you're saying, wait a minute. Of course we elect U.S. senators. No, what he's talking about is the Feinstein issue, that if she were to resign, Newsom can just appoint someone. He wants it, which I believe is the way it should be, where the voters would vote on who the next senator is, that the governor can't just appoint someone. So Feinstein's term is up next year, and she said she's not seeking re-election, but we know what's happened. She's missed like 58 Senate votes since she was diagnosed with shingles in February. Now, this is like the Fetterman thing, where people say usually with this depression thing, you go in for a week or week and a half, and he was there for two months. Well, I've never heard of shingles lasting this long, especially having to stay away from your job because of shingles for three months. But anyway, she's 89 and she's missed 58 votes since the shingles thing from uh, a couple of months ago. So they want her to step down. And of course, all the uh, Feinstein apologists are coming to her you know, defense saying, oh, look at how race, look, uh, sexist this is. They would never ask a man. To of course, it's nonsense. It's total nonsense. All right. How many of us have talked about Biden being too old? How many of us have talked about Fetterman being not sane, not, not mentally aware enough to be? We've we've talked about this stuff over and over again. So it's not sexist. And it's not sexist to say that Diane Feinstein. This this is how these liberals are. If you uh, if you criticize someone who's white or male, it's okay. But if you criticize someone for similar reasons, who's gay or black or a woman, oh, you're homophobic, transphobic, sexist, racist. They are such phonies. There's nothing racist about saying a 90 year old woman who has missed 58 Senate votes should step down at this point. Nothing sexist about it. It's it's called having common sense. Okay. So they wanted to step down, and under the current law, Newsom would have the power to appoint a replacement. But he wants it. Kevin Codley wants it. So they we, we get to vote on it. So he's trying to get this uh, constitutional amendment passed, that they must always be re-elected elected rather than appointed. 
I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. So I, I totally, I totally back Kevin Kiley on that. And we'll see if he'll be able to get this uh, passed. I don't know if he can or not, but we'll see what happens, you know, but it, it's, 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 it's incredibly, um, what can I say? Uh, it's such the liberal reflex to make everything about race or gender or sexual orientation or whatever it may be when it, it obviously has absolutely nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that she can't do her job. She can't do her job. And there is no, I want them to point out a similar situation where there was a male or a white person, a white male, let's say, who was 90, 90 years old, who had missed 60 votes, who had not been able to appear in the Senate for four months. I want, give me, show who was it? Who was it? It doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often. And she just cannot do her job anymore. Look at how, do you remember when they announced that she wasn't running again? And the reporter said, okay, you're not running again. And she said, oh, uh, we never announced that. And her own <laughs> secretary had to say, oh, oh, yeah, they, they, the, the press release went out yesterday, Senator. Oh, really? Oh, oh. She's not, she's, it's time for her to go. It's time for Diane to go. So that's all I can say about that. Not that I ever liked her anyway, but it is time for her to go. Let's see. Is it time? Speaking of time, I think it might be time to call in our friend John Williams to play me in. Let's see. John, are you ready? You, you, you need two minutes. I don't have two minutes. I can't vamp for another. I can't talk that much. Sure, I can. Yeah, yeah. All right, John. You know, I talk a lot. I can always talk. All right, you're almost ready? Okay, John's almost ready. Come on in, John. Thank you. Okay, here we go. It's Friday night. So you know what that means, Friday night on and let's be heard. We try to lighten things up a little bit, take a deep breath, move on, and lighten it up and do a couple of film reviews so people can know what they should see this weekend at the movies or maybe stay away from. Here we go. Okay, thanks. If if he does, if I don't go too long with this, he'll play me out. If not, they'll get the next flight to L.A. and I'll have to deal with not being played out. But all right, let's see. Where can I go? Let me go. Let me go to my trusty. Sorry, I should have this. I should have this pulled up already. But uh, I'm gonna do. I'll do Mafia Mama first. Mafia Mama uh, with Tony Collette. Um, you know, I saw the trailer for this, and I started to think. You know, this looks like it's like you know, like analyze this, analyze that. It's like, you know, I, I like, I actually like movies that make fun of the mafia. Okay. I like that. I like movies that make fun of the tough guys and the mafia types. And I always loved the, uh, analyze this, analyze that with Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro. So I looked at Ma- Mafia Mama with uh, Tony Collette, who I think is a great actress. I love, I love uh, Tony Collette. And uh, I said, Oh, this looks like it can be really good. Well, the, the basic premise is that uh, Tony Collette is um, uh, an advertising exec. Actually, she's a, she's a PR person for Big Pharma, of all things, right? And she's a, she's a PR exec for Big Pharma, not really liking her job, you know, pushing, pushing drugs and stuff. And, uh, and she finds out that, like, her long-lost grandfather, who she hasn't seen in a long time in Italy, has died. 
and they call her in to come to Italy to come to his funeral. Um, and she, she's hesitant at first, but she decides, okay, I'll go to Italy and I'll go to his funeral and I'll spend some time in Italy. And when she gets there, she realizes that uh, he wasn't a regular businessman. He was like the mafia Don for a big mafia family. And it was his request <laughs> to have her take over as the mafia Don. So you look, uh, you're thinking, oh, wow, this is ripe for, right? Here's like a fish out of water comedy, right? This, this advertised, this straight laced advertising exec who goes there and she becomes this mafia Don and she has to deal with like the opposing mafia families and, and work out territories and all that. And there are shootouts and gunfights and she's in the middle of all this and she doesn't know how to deal with it. And she has two, you know, you know, bodyguards who are, you know, these tough looking Italian mafia bodyguards who watch over her all the time. And as I'm talking about this, I'm laughing. Maybe I should have written it because it's a total bust. The comedy is so dead. It's DOA, dead on arrival. There's very little that's funny about this. It's all incredibly strained. And the film doesn't seem to know whether it wants to be like an action film or a comedy, you know, an action film or a send up of this stuff. It kind of tries to be both at the same time. And it, it really doesn't work. And there were jokes that are, as we're watching this film, I'm thinking there were jokes that are right there, that are ripe, that could, they're hanging right in front of us. And the film just drops the ball over and over again. It's, it's just, it's like, it's like incredibly strained. And I love Tony Collette and she might be the only thing about this film. You know, I, I, I did a review. Um, recently, where I talk about how some films, you know, can be saved by good actors like Renfield, which is not a great movie, but is saved by Nicolas Cage, a good actor who puts on a great hammy performance and made the film worth seeing. Unfortunately, Tony Collette tries extremely hard here. You know, she has this, you know, she's the fish out of war thing where she's kind of like a little bit of a dumb blonde, ditzy blonde that doesn't realize what's going on around her. And she tries. She tries to, to squeeze the humor out of this, but she can't save it. It really is uh, uh, dead on arrival and just a just a real miss. You know, I, it's, it's too bad because it really it really could have been uh, something that worked. But this is why writing is so important. And when you have good writing like you do in Analyze This and even even in Analyze That, uh, it works. And here bad comedy writing and they just drop the ball over and over again. Okay. My next film is called Bo is afraid. This is a tough film to review. It really is. And it's especially tough to review only a couple of hours after seeing it. It's a three hour long, really epic film, kind of a black comedy, if you will, um, about a, a man who has mommy issues, major mommy issues. Uh, and it stars Joaquin Phoenix in that role, who was in his gained weight phase. It's amazing how Joaquin Phoenix does this, how he gains weight and loses weight for the, you know, for the, uh, uh, uh Joker films and such. But here is in his gained weight phase. And, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is such a great actor. He reminds me of Robert De Niro in his prime when he was willing to do these things with his body to gain weight and lose weight and look differently. In every film he's in, he looks different, you know, and that's a testament to the kind of actor he is. Uh, and in this film, he plays Bo, the title character Bo, who 
lives in a uh, you know we think we have it bad in San Francisco and other Democrat run cities. Well, he lives in an urban dystopia. He lives in a in a shitty little apartment that has drug addicts and 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 and, and homeless people and uh, uh, people who who stab people in the streets and just total urban decay and devastation. Take San Francisco or any major Democrat run city on acid times ten, and that's the environment he lives in. Um, and he's kind of a schleppy guy, very, very insecure, tons of anxiety, takes pills all the time, has a therapist who he sees weekly. And we, co- we come to find out that a lot of it stems back to his childhood and his mother. And he has these incredible mommy issues, including a mother who comes in at the end. We hear her voice. We see a young actress playing her. But in the end, his current mother, the older version, is played by Patty Lupone who is absolutely fantastic. She only has a couple of scenes towards the end of the film and she kills them. I don't like Patty Lupone. I think she's an asshole. I hated that thing she did with the, with the mask and yelling at the people in the audience and not wearing masks at, at plays, but she is a fantastic actress and a fantastic singer. And she really, she knocks it out of the park in a couple of scenes at the end of the film as his mother, but it's three hours long getting there. It's incredibly surreal and nightmarish. It is a total black comedy that that switches brilliantly from dark humor to just incredibly heart-pounding, anxiety-ridden scenes where we really get into the head of Bo and how anxious he is. This is the kind of guy who, if he takes a pill and forgets to take water with it, thinks he's dying and goes on Google to look up, you know, the consequences of taking a certain pill without water. Or if he takes a hit of uh, of, of potent weed, he's worried he's going to die from it. He's always asking, can you die from this? Can you die from this? So he's really the most anxious ridden. It takes all of our anxiety that we might have, you know, grow, living in the society we live in, the anxieties we have, and pumps it up into a hyperdrive to where – the film puts us in his mind to the point where it's almost as though you need therapy after seeing the film. The film is like one big therapy session as we try to get into his mind psychologically. And it takes us through different, um, uh, I guess you'd say, milieus from the decay of the inner city that he lives in to a a home in suburbia by a couple, um, one of the uh, the, the couple who takes him in after he gets into an accident played by uh, Nathan Lane is the is the surgeon. Him and his wife take him in and one basically set piece after another. That's incredibly surreal, surreal, over the top. This is a really ambitious, great, ballsy film that plays on our anxieties. And like I said, takes a character with extreme anxiety and extreme mother issues and puts him through the ringer. The thing about the film I really liked is that the director, Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and Midsommar. And if you've seen either of those films, you know what I mean about films that really heighten the anxiety and sometimes are very tough to watch. Brilliant, but films you might not want to see a second time. But Bo is Afraid is really the kind of film you need to see two or three times. There's so much in there. There's so much symbolism. There are characters that appear and reappear in different ways that you uh, you try to figure out why is this character there? How does this play into his life? And it really keeps us on edge. And we never know where it's going, okay? We never know where it's going to take this anxiety-ridden character who is trying to reconcile his mommy issues and, of course, his daddy issues. We find out during the film that his father died <laughs> while, 
while conceiving him, while ejaculating into his mother, his father died. So these are the kinds of things that Bo has to live with. The, the feeling that these kinds of hereditary issues, going back to hereditary, Ari Aster's first film, are in, within him. And if he, if he has sex with a woman, he, he's afraid he may die. So these are the kinds of things the character lives with. And the director, Ari Aster, loves and hates his characters in equal proportions. And we do also. There are, there are times in this film where we actually love Bo and feel of him and times where we absolutely despise who he is because he's so anxiety ridden, so anxious, so insecure. And I, I can't even describe how good Joaquin Phoenix is in this film. We feel every inch, every bit, every morsel of his anxiety. But this is a film that's visually stunning. The sets are fantastic from his his his. His, his, his spider roach ridden little apartment in urban decay to his mother's beautiful home at the end of the film on top of a hill is his wealthy mother's home filled with windows with no curtains, just windows you can see through, just state of the art. The, the, the production design is impeccable. This is by the movie company A24, which has become very popular. They're kind of like, I guess the new Miramax, you know, Sands, Harvey Weinstein. Um, and this is their most uh, expensive film. I think it cost like $50 million. But they gave it to Astor because he made Hereditary and he made Midsommar and they were such big hits. This film is is his best film. This film is really, I think, a modern masterpiece. It's not going to be to everyone's liking. It's not. Because once again, it gives us a character that in equal proportions is lovable and hateable. And uh, the director, Ari Aster, doesn't care. And so it's just it's an incredibly ambitious, a very ballsy film. And uh, like I said, uh, it really keeps you on the edge as a as a really great modern day uh, psychological, not thriller. I call the psychological drama. And if you stay with it, like I say, it's three hours long. If you stay with it, it really is very rewarding. Let's put it that way. And I want to see it again because there's so much there to take in that it's really tough to do in one sitting and not easy to review just a couple of hours after seeing it because there's so much to think about, so much to digest. But if you want to see something you've never seen before, where a director takes you places that you don't really go to very often in movies, um, on the edge and uh, daring, then Bo is Afraid is for you. I, I think it's a masterpiece. I loved it. Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. Uh, open today. So I highly recommend Bo is Afraid. I do not recommend Mafia Mama. All right. Okay. I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, if anyone has a, uh, well, I think we're going to end it. I think I, I do want to remind people, remind everyone that on Monday, I'm going to have on Jackie Berlin of Mothers Against Drug Addiction and Deaths, and she's going to talk about uh, the Gavin Newsom, you know, move where he's going to bring in California Highway Patrol and the National Guard and try to combat the fentanyl issue. I'm going to ask her if she thinks it's going to work, if she thinks he's only doing it because he was, you know, pressured politically. And we'll see what we'll see what um, we'll see what she has to say, because she's going to have a very Jackie has a very you know personal view of the whole thing. So be sure to tune in Monday night for Jackie Berlin. I'll have a special interview. Um, I want everyone to have a great weekend. 
Thanks for listening today and all week long. I want to remind everyone, the name of this show is And Let's Be Heard. And it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time. So have a great weekend, and I'll see you Monday night with special guest Jackie Berlin. But until then, this is Mike Kachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.